welcome to the KT Literary Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Nyan. Today, I have the privilege of bringing you a conversation with Jamie Pacton. Jamie's the author of The Life in Medieval Times of Kit Sweetly, which Kirkus calls a rousing, funny, feminist workplace fantasy that also takes a frank look at modern poverty. Jamie came up in publishing through Pitch Wars. She's the oldest of 10 kids, and she currently lives in rural Wisconsin with her husband, their two kids, and a dog named Lego. But on a more personal note, she's just delightful to speak with. I started this interview slightly flustered with distance learning, and unfortunately, even though we don't make it through the interview without an interruption from one of my littlest coworkers, I finished the call feeling uplifted. I hope that's what our conversation can bring to you. I hope that you feel just a little lighter and brighter for being with us today. Well, Jamie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I love listening to it. So, Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Personally, just because I am thrilled for your upcoming debut novel release, the Medieval Times. Life the and Times. Life in Medieval oh, Times of Kit Sweetly. <laughs> I have it. I have it right here. Look, I'm holding it up. Uh, the Life and Medieval Times of Kit Sweetly. I adore this book and yay. I'm so excited to talk to you about it. So how does it feel to like have a book in the world? This is the um, first time, right? Right. This is, well, you know, okay. It's sort of the first time. Um, I did some IP work um, that came about very quickly. Right. And so that book, um, it's called Farfetched, and it came out under the pen name Finn Colazzo. Um, that All came right. out in October, so late October. So while I was prepping for debut year, um, the process of writing that book and having it go into production and then come out sort of jumped ahead. Um, so Weirdly, I've already had the experience of going to a bookstore <laughs> with my kids right. and being like, oh, there's my book and let's just subtly move it to the front of the shelf and things like that. Um, but I was very much looking forward to that with Kit and I'm not sure it's going to happen. So I'm grateful that I've had that experience, sure. actually. Um, but it feels magnificent to have a book coming out at last, you know, one that is kind of under my name and fully, you know, through my years of striving and things like that. Um, I, I just posted about this on Instagram. My husband's reading Kit for the first time. And so he's an English teacher just like me. And in the early years, you know, he would read my work. Um, but we just found that our him critiquing my writing was not good for our marriage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he'll still be there, like, for me to, um, you know, bounce ideas off of. Although I definitely am like, do you have space for this? Instead of me just kind of talking at him idea-wise, which I know probably hmm. many people do uh do you have space for this and then we brainstorm and that helps me out but so he's never read kit all the way through even though it's dedicated to him and so he just started reading it last night and I kind of like the other night when he got it out I just had to have this little moment of like oh my god you know this is a big deal because you know he we've known each other for 20 years and it's been like that was always the dream and so I think that kind of more than anything drove it home that like this is real and here's my book and Adam's reading it and um so it feels a little surreal, mm-hmm. especially at this particular moment in history. Um, yes. But it's very exciting as well. Oh. Um, so since Kit Sweetly takes time at a medieval times type of restaurant, um, what's your experience with those kind of restaurants or with Renaissance fairs? Or, you know, like how, how do you even conceptualize of this story? Well, it sort of just occurred to me. Let's see, I took my son 
to a medieval time. So there's one in Schaumburg, which is where my husband's from. So outside of Chicago. And I had driven my past- husband's from Rockford. Really? <laughs> okay. We talk about this? No, we haven't talked about I'm, that. I definitely know Schaumburg. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, so the, the Ikea and the mall and stuff like that. I used to work yeah. at Woodfield, actually, at one point in my weird life. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So, then, you know, there's that medieval times of Hoffman Estates, which you probably have passed on the highway. And so we passed that for years. Yeah. And Adam was like, oh, I've never been there. And I was always like, I want to go there. I want to go there. And finally, my kid was like eight. And so this is like, this is 2017, but we're still kind of recoiling after the election in 2016. And I was sure. riding this like dark feminist fantasy I just finished. I think Kate kind of told you about that one. Um and anyways, I take my kids to medieval times and we have a grand time because I do love medieval history. And I was kind of on the hunt for a, a fun story idea. Um, mm-hmm. And when I was there, I was talking to some of the wenches and some of the other servers. And there are all these like dude bro knights out there, you know, those with, like the long flowy hair. And that that does come up in Kit a couple times because I'm <laughs> intensely amused by that. Um, but you know, I asked the surfers, like, why can you be knights? Where would you like to be a knight? And she was like, oh my God, yes, but you know, we can't. And I kind of were like, oh, well, there's my story right there. Cause, um, you know, so, and and also, you know, I was there with my kid. We've been talking feminism for a whole like year and, or more. Um, and it was such a thing to go to this place and be like, you know what, there were female knights in the middle ages and this is not historically Mm -hmm. accurate. Um, and that's kind of the genesis of Kit. And I actually, when I went home to write it, that first chapter is largely unchanged from what it was in my first wow. draft. I mean, it's got some, um, obviously some fact checks and nuances and things like that have changed. Um, but the voice just came to me so quickly. And I think that happens sometimes with stories and you're lucky if you can <laughs> do that. Cause there's other stories that I just, I battle the whole time with to find the voice or, yes. you know, get it right. But Kit came very quickly. Um, mm. And I just I gave myself permission to play in that story because I had just come off of such a dark, heavy, intense story that I was like, we're going to have fun and put in every joke and trope and historical fun fact that I can think of. And I did. Wow. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. So that's how it came about. Um, that's amazing. My experience with Ren Fairs and things. I love Ren Fairs. Like we go to the big one outside of Chicago. Um, and I definitely, I was going through old stuff the other day and I found all these photos of a Ren, of that, from that Ren Fair from like 2004. So I remember going there and taking pictures like I need to um, write a story about a Ren Fair <laughs> at some point. Wow. And back in the days, I used to make photo albums for all my books before Pinterest boards. So I have all these photo albums <laughs> that are like <laughs> old school Pinterest boards. Um, so I feel like I always had that in the back of my mind, that it was really going to medieval times that catalyzed that. Um, and I, not to talk too much, I do have restaurant experience. Do you want to hear about that? Of course I do. The whole point of this is to hear you talk. Of course, I would love okay. to hear about that. Um, so I have never worked at a medieval times or a Ren fair, although I always wanted okay. to, but they were always kind of far for me. So I went to college. So I grew up in Tennessee, East Tennessee. Um, and then I went to college in, at Marquette in Milwaukee. So to go to the Ren fair and I didn't have a car, so it would have been a big thing. Um, but I actually worked at a theme restaurant called Ed my entire time I went to school. Do you know what Ed <laughs> is? I do. Okay. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, it's a fifties yeah. diner. Um, and I feel like this was like an aughts thing because I, I was in school in 97 to 2001. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we dressed in 50s costumes. I go get big like poodle skirts and crinolines and, um, 
you know, just cute little vintage dresses and do my hair up or wear go-go boots. And then our shtick was that we were rude to people. Um, so we'd serve burgers and fries and attitude. <laughs> and that's how I got through college. And so um, I had a grand time because, you know, I get dressed up for work. I got to like take out all sorts of weird stress <laughs> customers um that was like they were there for it man they wanted you to throw exactly. straws at them and and I got a lot of like you're not mean enough and I'm like well okay it's time <laughs> um, and then we would dance I had a little catwalk that ran through the um center of the restaurant and counters so we'd get up there and dance so I have I worked in restaurants for a long time and especially this like over-the-top cheesy 50s restaurant um, yeah. So I drew deeply from that with Kit. I mean, some of the, you know, like when she's just hanging out, like smoking cigarettes or sitting on milk crates, like those were deeply drawn from my own life yeah. as a server. Um, yeah. That sounds very familiar to anyone, I'm sure, who has worked in food service. Yeah. Were you, did you work in food service or? I was at a diner, not as fun as Ed DeBevex, Ed <laughs> but I was at a diner for about a month when I was 17, and I was so bad that first they demoted me, and then they fired me. Oh, my God. So, you got demoted. <laughs> <laughs> it was not great. So, That's hilarious. Um, I do have a lot of respect for anyone who's actually good at food service because, well, at 17, I certainly was not. Right. So. I mean, I, st I would have waitressing dreams for years. Like I, you know, like you'd wake up in a panic because not everything was at the tables or things like that. Right. And, you know, yeah. I mean, you forgot the side of wheat toast that yeah. went with table number yeah. seven. Or you yeah. dropped all the drinks or yeah. I don't know. So I tried to put some of that into kit. And I mean, the other thing too, is like, although I was in college, like, I don't know. I still had to work. Like I showed up to college with $20 in my pocket. I had a scholarship, mm. which I promptly lost because I was working too much, you know? And so it's mm. like, I was waitressing even after that. And so I kind of tried to put some of that into the economic insecurity that Kit feels um, yeah. and things like that. But you did ask me about a weird story from waitressing. <laughs> I do Just have if a, you happen to have any. Yeah. I, I have a very good one for you. Um, I was thinking about this today. <laughs> this is so nerdy. All right. So um, let's see. So Ed DeBevix in Milwaukee is right by the Fister Hotel, which is like the nicest hotel downtown. It's where all of like the rock stars and people stay. And there was this one time I was working a double. It was, must have been on a Saturday or something. It was during Summerfest. So big musical festival. And I was right there in that like slow time after lunch and before dinner. Mm -hmm. And this guy comes in. And like, not my type of guy. He's all like sporty and blonde hair, spiky blonde hair and tips. He's got all these girls with him. <laughs> and, you know, they're all just these beautiful, like sort of put together girls. And I'm like, oh gosh, I've got to wait on these folks. Okay. So I go and they get, get seated in my section. And it's like, Adibavix is one of those places where um, it's so much easier to build off the energy of other people. So if there's more servers out there or more like customers, so when it's just you... <laughs> At like a four or five top in the, you know, at two o'clock in the afternoon, it's hard to really summon like your comedic genius. Um, it just, right. Anyway. Like you're, you're driving the emotional force of it all. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like as <laughs> much as I like to think that I'm funny, I'm not Amy Poehler. I'm not Tina Fey. Like I'm, I'm not like maybe naturally gifted in this way, especially at two o'clock on a Saturday when I'm tired and just oh, kind of, you know, really. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, and they're like, oh, well, come on, be mean to us, be funny. And I'm like, okay. So I was like, so what's up? You think you're rock stars? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, really? You're rock stars with that hair and those outfits? Blah, 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 <laughs> on and on. So as I come to find out, 
later after they've left me a very nice tip and I've given them like, you know, these like, you know, they're just dorky little lunches. <laughs> later that day, one of my good friends comes in. She's like, oh my God, I heard you got to wait on Lance from sync and the... <laughs> And I think it was, I'm almost positive, I think it was the, may, it might have been the Pussycat Dolls who were touring with him or some other girl band at the time. Oh and so gosh. I didn't know who they were. I didn't care who they were. Like, totally not my scene. I was like a punk rock girl who was into like ska shows and things like that. And I ripped them apart for their like faux rock star wannabe like attitudes. Oh and my gosh. I had no idea. Like, absolutely none. And all of the girls, like, after the fact, all the girls were, like, you know, later on that dinner shift, they were just swooning. And, oh, my God, what was he like? And I was kind of a hero that night because all these little teeny, like, tweeny bopper girls came in to Ed's before the NSYNC show. And I had to just repeat again and again, like, what he ordered and what... (laughs) what it was like to be his waitress and I am the most oblivious like I had no idea and so that is basically my only um super exciting waitressing claim to fame I'm such a dork story so yeah I love it so for posterity what did Lance Bass eat before his show I'm pretty sure it was just a cheeseburger and fries and that's what they all had um and again he was very nice and very chill and I was trying very hard to be funny and like I don't know. Um, oh, I, was, I was like wildly underwhelmed though. And they, I think we're so used to people <laughs> being overwhelmed that um, I, maybe it worked well. I, I don't yeah, know, maybe so. that's exactly what they came for. Yeah. I, I don't that's know. amazing. But yeah, so that's my story. I love it. <laughs> um, so you've mentioned a couple of times like that you've always been writing and that writing is always the thing. Did you know from childhood or was this something that you came to a little bit later, like in high school or something like that? Yeah, sure. Um, Let's see. I always loved to read. I had a grandma who was a librarian. And when we, I went to her house, like there wasn't much to do other than like play tennis against her like garage door or read books. Um, so I always like to read. And I think I, I remember sitting down to write my very first story on one of my parents' old computers. I must have been like 12. Um, before that, I had nine brothers and sisters. So I and I was the oldest. So I would make them do plays. So like we put on productions um, of like the wind in the willows and other things in which I would convince them, um, you know, like play the part of Mr. Toad or you know these things. Yeah. So yeah, that was my first sort of like I'd write these little plays. And then I wrote this story. Um, and then I, I think I would just mess around with stories. Like I don't have a clear like, you know, um, moment where like this was my very first thing. And that story has long been eaten by like my parents' old computers. <laughs> Definitely in high school, I wrote poems and I wrote essays and I won contests with those things. Um, I have a whole notebook full of very um, emotional poetry from high school. Um <laughs> I Don't think as everybody does, right? <laughs> but definitely by the time I got to college, like I was clear, like I want to be a writer. So I was an English mm. major. I started as actually, I wanted to be a brain surgeon and I worked in a biology lab. Whoa. Um, yeah, I loved science and I loved biology and I really wanted to do something cool. But then I worked in this biology lab for two years and I broke so much glass. Like I was really not <laughs> great. Like my job was to be the dishwasher and the autoclaver for this, like they were doing research on bacterias. And so I was always washing out Petri dishes, but also these huge expenses flasks and I, I literally I broke so thousands of dollars with a glass work oh at some point they moved me over to data entry and I sort of had this epiphany that maybe I shouldn't be operating on people's brains if I can't do 
dishes. Um, I so. feel like that is a public service. Like, well done for you. <laughs> I want to a little squeamish about blood, but I'm fascinated by the brain. So um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have cut it anyways. No pun intended. I just, yeah, I, I just needed this like insight. Um, so I, I, you know, but I enjoyed my English classes and my history classes. And so I ended up getting an English major with a history minor and a philosophy minor. So wow. heavy liberal arts. And I was writing stories then, but this is like 2000, 2001. So this is before Twitter. This is like when you had to pitch agents and query, you ended up sending things in, right. um, which I did, but I didn't have an actual finished book. So fast forward, um, you know, we move around a little bit for my husband, who's my boyfriend at the time, jobs and grad schools, and I'm still trying to write. So I'm working in bookstores. I'm, I don't know, like I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do because I knew I wanted to do this other thing. I just didn't know how to be an author, <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, so I worked as an intern at Sourcebooks back in 2003. And that would have been amazing if that had turned into a full-time job, but it just didn't work sure. out that way. And then I kind of, so I was kind of thinking about editorial stuff, but I eventually went back to grad school in 2006 to get an English degree. And so, I mean, you know, along the way, as these things do, like I'm writing, but I'm also, you know, I had writing groups then. I think I finished my first novel sometime it was very, very short. It was 30,000 words. <laughs> so <laughs> it was not a real novel. Um, a novella. That totally counts. It was a novella. It was novella. a middle grade, a short middle grade book. Yeah, there you go. But I was trying to sell it as a YA, so <laughs> yeah. that's fine. Um, but yeah, you know, and then in 2006, 2008, I was in grad school. Then I had kids. Then I had a kid with special needs. Um, so all of these things took time. So eventually when I had small yeah. toddlers... I ended up really writing. So back in 2013, I finally finished a book that placed in a writing contest, um, wow. the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. And so I went out there for the conference yeah. and I met one of my like wonderful best friends um, who's now her book came out last year. So we've sort of been doing this together for years. Her name is Noelle Salazar. She wrote The Flight Girls. So yes, fabulous, like did. historical. Yeah. Um, but I met her back in 2013 when we were just like little baby writers trying to figure <laughs> things out. <laughs> And so from there, it was like, I, I didn't win that contest, but I placed, I placed it following year. And so wow. it was just kind of eventually. And then I got my first agent um, through Pitch Wars 2015. And then that, we parted in 2016. And then I found Kate a couple of years later. So it's kind of always been the goal, but it's really more of a like life got in the way or I don't know, just you know how these things go. It just wasn't the right time or the right story. Yeah. 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 There's so much timing that comes into a publishing career and and so much quiet, thankless, unseen behind the scenes work that yeah. you just toil over. And I love hearing, you know, yes, we're so excited to celebrate you and your current successes, but it's you know, I'm sure it's encouraging for people out there who are in that season that you were in for so many years of, am I good enough? Can I do this? This yeah. is in me. Can I get it out? Will anyone listen? And like, yes, you just have to keep going. Yeah, I think that's super important. And I mean, also understand that like it's a journey that's I, there are some very amazing, very lucky young writers who find great success at 22 or 25 yeah. or something like that. Um, but I think the trick is to understand that there's no expiration date. There's tons of writers who don't get published till their 40s or their 60s or something like that. It's about the stories you have to tell. And, you know, along the way, as I had kids and things, I was also I was a columnist for an autism magazine. I wrote for parents.com for years. I did lots and lots of print magazine writing. And so it wasn't that I wasn't writing novels then, but a lot of my energy was going towards that. And so I think that that's the other thing you have to, well, that people should keep in mind is that like, 
all of that work helps you be a better writer. You're just, you're learning your audience, you're finding voice, you're doing things like that. Um, so none of that work is without cause or without value, I guess. Um, yeah, but. Absolutely. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go do what you it's need to do. It's not real crowded <laughs> up in here. <laughs> do you need to go soon? Like anytime you're ready, like it's totally fine. No, it's so nice to have a conversation with a grown up. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, I don't know if you want to put this in the podcast or not, but I will say that I've met a lot of interesting people, both from Ren Fairs and people who work at Medieval Times. Um, mm-hmm. I can't mention their names or like sure. where they work, um, but I have gained so much insider information about like, you know, some of them are like, Kit is right on and how it is, or, yeah. um, you know, just like, it is very much like the night the night culture is like super dude bro and very like cis like heteronormative guys like which is just toxic it's it's toxic and it doesn't have to be that way and I mean I will say one thing I've learned is that there are a lot of fierce women and people across the gender spectrum who are working to change things at medieval times Mm -hmm. and at Ren fairs it's just slow like, because, yep. you know, and I mean, in my, my very small secret hope, which is not so secret anymore, is that, you know, Kit could <laughs> in some way, like, be part of that conversation and say, like, yeah. we don't have to have it like this. Like, it, you know, there, you know, whatever we think of the Middle Ages wasn't actually this one way this was put forward by historians and especially white male historians. And um, it's not without an agenda because it does, like, you know, white nationalists, they, they jump on this sort of vision of the white knight middle ages yeah. bullshit that like gets propagated and it's dangerous. Um, and it, it's just a, a rent fair or a medieval times is a very small microcosm of some of those ideas. So yeah, yeah. I don't know, but I will, uh, I think she will Kit sweetly and Brienne of Tarth just arm right. in arm. Kit right. Oh my yeah. God. I die. I like when I saw that Brienne episode when she became a knight, I'm sitting there on my couch, like crying. Oh. And, like, it was so perfect. It's so funny because when I first wrote the book, there's Game of Thrones jokes, and then they pushed forward and finished the series. And I had watched the first few seasons, and I, we did like a big push, I don't know, like a couple months ago to finish it. And so then I was in copy edits or developmental edits at the time. So the jokes have been updated to reflect where the series ended. Yeah. Um, so that's lucky that, you know, that was, I got to. That was probably copy edit then, right? Yeah, I think so. So last summer. Um but yeah, there are spoilers in the book, though. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, like Uh-oh. you're going to know what happens with Arya and the Night King. Um, oh, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but most importantly, Brienne of Tarth. She's a knight. So Brienne. She's a knight. That's right. That she happens. Wins. That's a big deal. <laughs> and you know, this is the thing, too. There are so many female knights in Ren Fairs and things. They're just not at the like dinner theater restaurants yet. Well, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say there's so many, but there are some. Um, and they're amazing. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. So talk to me about your other books that you have in the works. Like, where are you heading now? Where did this dark feminist fantasy go (laughs) that you wrote in the throes of the post-election time? The dark feminist fantasy is still being shot. um, And I'm still super excited about it. I love that story. I love that world. Kate loves that world. Um, I don't know if it's the right time for it. You know, we've gotten some interest. Um, Just publishing is always not the speediest. So <laughs> I'm hoping to have good news about that someday because although, 
you know, fantasy is my first love. And like, um, I actually, I have that on submission right now. And then I also have a middle grade adventure fantasy, um, about young Marco Polo, um, which is on sub right now. Um, so it's, you know, I, I do love that genre and I just, Kit was my first contemporary. And so I've sort of taken this contemporary, um, I don't want to say like, you know, right turn or something, but it's just, it's been a different direction. Um, so let's see right now I am working on developmental edits from my second book with page street, which is called lucky girl. And that's about a 17 year old named Fortuna Jane Bellwether who, um, buys a lotto ticket as a 17 year old and she wins a $58 million jackpot. And, um, she thinks like, Oh, this is totally fine. She lives in a tiny little small town in Wisconsin. And she thinks like, Oh, this is totally fine. I'll just wait. You know, it's two weeks until I turn 18. And then she figures out that um, that's not actually totally fine because if you buy a lotto ticket as a minor and then you cash it, they take your prize away and you're also guilty of a misdemeanor. So um, she's got to figure out what to do, how to get this lotto ticket, how to keep it a secret. Um, and the tricky thing for Jane is that her mom is a hoarder. Um, so after Jane's dad died, Jane's mom started collecting personalized items, um, you know, like photo mugs and mouse pads and save her mom's mission is to save things that other people once loved from like trash piles. So Jane's house is full of um, all sorts yeah. of things because the category of like things other people loved is huge. So she doesn't want to give the money to her mom. The only other 18 year old she knows is her ex-boyfriend Holden and they just broke up two weeks ago. So she's sort of, this book is sort of very different than Kit because Kit there, you know, it's moving towards a friends to lovers arc. There's this big goal. Jane's goal on the other hand is to kind of keep her secret figure herself out. And then she's kind of recoiling from that first love breakup. Mm. So I sort of wanted to come into that idea because although I love love and I love love stories, um, I remember what it was like the first time I got my heart broken. And I remember trying to get over, you know, that first big, that first high school, like crush and boyfriend. And so I don't know, it's a very different story. It's still funny and snarky. Um, but it's, uh, I like to say it's a story about winning and loss because Jane's still trying to figure out, like grapple with this loss of her dad and her boyfriend and things like that. Um, she's also got an amazing best friend because I'm always going to write books about amazing best friends because I have wonderful, wonderful friends mm -hmm. and I like to honor them. Um, so that's what I'm working on right now. That'll come out probably spring 2021. It doesn't have a definitive like month date, but it's a 2021. Yeah. And then I have book three option book, which is I'm working on. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, the other project, um, the other project is I'm co-writing a romance with my friend Lizzie. Um, oh, so Lizzie Mason is my publicist, but she's also one of my best friends and she's a YA author herself. So we are just trying out our hand at a romance and it's very fun. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, we've got like a hundred and some pages, so we're still wow. a ways off, but we're getting there. Um, so aside from baking, what's, what are you doing to like, deal with being homebound <laughs> right now. Okay. Well, I must preface this with, as I said, sort of earlier, I've been working from home for years. We homeschool mm -hmm. our kids and I have a nine-year-old and then a high support autistic, almost 12-year-old. So who we can't like find a school placement for. So my husband and I both teach from home. Um, and so we've been trading off, you know, writing, working, homeschooling and caregiving for, you know, at least five years. Um, 
So is this any different? It's a little bit different. (laughs) Uh, But it's, but I will say, and we kind of talk about this, like we were quarantine life before it was cool, right? Yeah, Um, we were. We weren't though. Um, Because we would go to Target, we would go to the bakery, we would go to the park, I would take my other kids to the YMCA. Um, So we would do lots of things, we would go for bike rides. And now we're not doing any of that. Like, you know, one of us is going to the grocery store every week or every other week. Um, And so my autistic son is very much like he only had a very small number of places, but he loved to go to Target or he loved Mm -hmm. um, to go to Whole Foods, you know, just like we had places. I know, right? Same. Um, So he's feeling that a little bit, although the weather's finally nice. So we can kind of go out in the stroller Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, But yeah, so so I, I think the things that are different, like... I think it was nice to know that everybody in the world was still doing things, even if I couldn't. And then we would also like Adam and I would sneak off for um, like a day away. So, you know, like six hours of go get lunch, go get your hair done, go to the museum, something like that. So we're not doing that anymore. But how am I coping with it? Um, Again, (laughs) so my workday hasn't changed much. My home life hasn't changed much. I I, I love picking up food. So that's changed a lot. Like I'm missing like takeout Indian and pizza and mm-hmm. um, all those things. So I'm cooking at home more. Um, but starting in like January, I started to try and pick up some new hobbies because it's weird. Like once a book, like, I don't know, this process, like, like writing was my focus for decades and it was my sort of like laser focus. So I've written, you know, like 12 novels in the last 10 years. I mean, something crazy like that. Oh, um, because that's what I wanted. And so to finally like hit that goal and obtain it and say, this is happening. I sort of found myself near the beginning of the year, like just kind of flattened out. Like I need to do something else. That's not like writing is now a job. You know, I've got deadlines and I've got contracts and I've got to pay taxes on it. And I'm still like into the ideas and the process, but I need to find some new things. So, um, I started playing video games in January at the like encouragement <laughs> of my husband and my kid who play video games. So we play Mario Kart. Uh, we love Mario Kart tournaments. Um, I've tried a couple like very easy video games that are like walking ones. So I just played um, What Remains of Edith Finch, which I loved. And I played Dear Esther. I get, um, <laughs> I've got really bad like equilibrium. So I do get nauseous. So, like if I walk um, around too much in a video game, so I can only do like 15 <laughs> minutes at a time. <laughs> So I feel yeah. like that's pretty dorky. Um, but we do that. Um, I uh, I ordered an accordion, which I've not played very much because my autistic son can't stand the sound of it. So then we got, <laughs> yeah. So then we got ukulele. So um, my husband and I are both kind of learning ukulele songs, which is great because um, it's, you know, you can do it in small doses. So um, yeah. let's see. I've learned some Vance Joy and some Beirut and Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And it's just a fun little thing to do. So besides baking, do that. Um, I've been reading lots, you know, lately. Um, Yeah, I don't really have anything else. I mean, I work out, you know, in my basement. And I'm telling you, we've got this set up here. We have like a, you know, full like gym downstairs. That's amazing. Um, It's, uh, it's, well, and it's kind of what we had to do for our life. But, you know, at this particular time, it works out very well. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's kind of what I do. And so I'm hoping to learn more ukulele songs and keep writing my books and just kind of keep my children alive. (laughs) These are goals, you know? That's amazing. I Um, am in awe of you. (laughs) Between, for me, I, I did not, I'm not a homeschooling mom. I don't have the like honest to goodness, I don't have the moral and and empathetic capacity to be able to do that. And it is, 
you are you I am in awe of you truly before we get too far down this road I will say (laughs) that when my kids were your kids age they were in daycare slash preschool because we had a really really good special needs preschool um in Milwaukee and we had a full like team of support and so now my other my youngest son is old enough that we can be like go read your history go do your math so you're you're dealing with a totally different like situation like yours is way harder Um, well I don't know if it's harder but it's and that's what I've decided about parenting is like it's all hard no matter what situation (laughs) you've got it's hard if you have one my girlfriend just moved that she has a nine-month-old and it's hard and I can't tell her that just because I have three that her experience isn't hard you know parenting is hard parenting is hard and nobody like can say like I have actually two friends who are pregnant right now and I want to be like, awesome, great. But I also know that like where, you know, it's going to throw so much at you that you have no idea about. And yeah, yeah, that's it. I think it is all difficult in different ways. And yeah, yeah. but it doesn't support another parent to, you know, to have somebody be like, oh, it's so much easier no. than what I'm going through, you know? Yeah. I, I think that, the, yeah, that doesn't do anyone any good. And really I think true. having a little empathy and perspective is the best yeah. thing we can do for each other, like right now, but also maybe like when we talk about how the world's going to change, maybe that's how the world's going to change is we're going to have a better sense that everyone's going through some hardship and we can, you know, be a little bit kinder, a little bit more compassionate towards that, you know? I mean, that's maybe, (laughs) that's maybe a high aspiration, but that would be good. I would love that. Yeah. Let's, let's all be a little kinder to ourselves and to people around us. Yeah. And you know, that's what I'm seeing online. Like people who are like, oh, I'm going to write so much. And then they're like, wait, no, I'm not getting anything done. Like being kind to yourself is Mm -hmm. a very crucial thing right now. And, you know, I will say like, I've been doing this for years with the balancing and like going off to write in 30 minute chunks this time in particular is harder than anything else. Cause I'll write for 10 minutes and then I'll want to check Twitter or I'll want to check Instagram yeah. or just CNN or just anything. Just like, really. yeah. Yeah. So my focus is way, 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 way less. Mm. So I'm even working in smaller chunks. Like if I can give myself 15 concentrated minutes, you know, as I'm revising or drafting, mm. then that's better than nothing. And giving myself the forgiveness to be like, okay, hit it again tomorrow, you know, and that's it. Well, that is very, very wise. <laughs> That's what I do. It's wisdom. So true. So true. <laughs> I should just step aside and let you do this whole thing. No. <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> so since KT Literary's, one of our cornerstones is boundless optimism, and that is something that we define ourselves by. Um, I always ask our guests at the end of each show to tell me what is making you happy this week. Okay. And I will say that one of my very favorite things about KT is boundless optimism, um, because no matter what's going on in the world or with my book, any time I talk to Kate about it, she is a delight of like, oh, we don't have to give up yet, or let's keep thinking about this. And so it is like no small thing for anyone who's looking for a literary agent or something like that boundless optimism. It's buoying. And I mean, I am I am not unoptimistic as a human, but I tend to be more cynical. And so to have someone like Kate in my corner is magical. You know, it really is. Um, But what's making me happy this week? Let's see. Um, Well, beyond just like hanging with my kids and um, I ordered a new PlayStation controller so I can finally beat my husband at FIFA because I had a strange (laughs) controller. 
And nice. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, let's see. I am doing a new thing where, because I don't have anywhere to dress up, I'm <laughs> going to take pictures of my friend's book covers with dresses that I own. So that's kind of a fun little just like, and you know, everybody's doing this on Instagram and stuff, but it's just a fun reason to like put on some jewelry, put on a dress and promote my friend's books. Um, so that's making that. me happy. Yeah. And I finally, I figured out some big um, lucky girl like issues. Like I had that like, oh, this is how, like, I, I just put that piece in that, like, makes everything oh, else operate. Yeah. So I'm kind of approaching revisions with a fresh sort of, like, perspective. Um, so I'm very happy about that. Wonderful. And beyond that, um, yeah, it's just, it's starting to be spring here finally in Wisconsin. So that just means a little bit more outside time. Um, so, you know, right now I'm kind of every day in my life, like, it's small wins, which are making mm-hmm. me happy. So um, my autistic son, like, we're helping him, you know, go into the backyard, which was a big trigger for a long time. And he's starting to do it. And that's, oh, I mean, wonderful. it's only for a few minutes, but that makes me happy because then we can be in the backyard together. So absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of where oh. I'm at. Wow. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a delight. And I feel like buoyed after this conversation. So thank you. I really came into it frazzled and frustrated and distance learning and kids and whatever. And and thank you. I feel I feel much better. So I well, hope so everyone does <laughs> too. I'm so glad you feel better. And I'm so grateful to talk to you. Like, this has been a pleasure for me, too. Thank you for letting me tell my dorky um, rock star story. Yes. And- <laughs> all Lance Bath stories are accepted. Uh, who? Who's that guy? I don't know. I just served him a burger. Jeez, what does he think he is? A friggin' rock star? <laughs> I love it. Where can people find you on the internet if they want to jump in? Um, so my website is just www.jamiepacton, so J-A-M-I-E-P-A-C-T-O-N.com. And same for Twitter and Instagram. It's just at Jamie Pacton. So it's spelled J-A-M-I-E. Perfect. All right, Jamie, thank you so much. Thank you again for joining me on the show. Right now you can pre-order The Life in Medieval Times of Kit Sweetly, available from your favorite bookstore on May 5th, 2020. You can find us on social media at KT Literary, or you can email us podcast at ktliterary.com. If you enjoy the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on the podcast platform of your choice. We hope you and yours are safe and healthy. And until next time, we'll see you on the acknowledgements page.